Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode 60. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and today we have Justin McGibbon. Justin is a brown belt in jiu-jitsu under the IBJJF Hall of Famer, Hobson Mora. Besides running his academy, the RMNU Ireland, he also works as an operations manager at a private investigations firm. He shared the struggles of balancing two jobs and family since he's married with two kids, the connection between decision-making in life and jiu-jitsu. And my takeaway from the interview was when I asked him some of the struggles so far in his entrepreneurial journey, and his answer inspired me to title this episode, Strengthening Your Relationships. Stick around for my final thoughts after the interview when I expand on this topic, sharing with you a principle from the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Stay tuned right after Jiu-Jitsu Tribe's message. Us. The BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Jiu-Jitsu Tribe, formerly Live Jiu-Jitsu. Jiu-Jitsu Tribe supports social projects who offer free Jiu-Jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities, inspiring, impacting, and improving their lives, keeping them away from drugs and crime, creating hope, and creating champions on and off the mats. Your donation helps projects to pay for their monthly expenses and facility makeovers. As a supporter, the BJJ Mental Coach donate all the profit of all online courses and merchandise to Jiu-Jitsu Tribe. For more information, please visit www.jujitsutribe.org. Let me introduce you to today's guest, Justin McGibbon. Justin is a brown belt from Hobson Mora. Originally from South Africa, Justin founded BJJ in 2008. In 2013, he began his training with Hobson Mora and became part of one of the largest and most respected jiu-jitsu associations in the world, RMNU. Besides running RMNU Ireland, Justin currently works as an operations manager at a private investigations firm based in Northern Ireland. Justin is married and the proud father of two sons. Justin, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Gustavo. Thank you, man. Thanks so much for letting me on you. Yes, so you're officially the first guest speaking from Ireland, so that's pretty cool, trying to expand. <laughs> and South Africa, maybe? <laughs> yeah, speaking from Ireland. From, uh, yeah, from yeah. Ireland. <laughs> Representing awesome. in this way. We have, I actually, I did have South Africa, maybe have two prior, but speaking from Ireland, that's the first one. Ah, from, yeah, from Northern Ireland, yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Thank you so much, man. Yeah, so we, uh, when was the camp? Was uh, we October. had a chance to connect when it was last year? Yeah, October. I think it was like, I couldn't believe it. It's like uh, three months later, it'll be a year since I met you in, in Tampa. Yeah, for Hobson Morris Camp. He does an annual yeah. camp in, in Florida. Incredible. People want to know more information about it. I believe it's rmnu.com. I'm not positive, or hobsonmore.com can learn more about his association, one of my best personal friends. So, Justin, tell us how jiu-jitsu show up in your life, and martial arts in general, if you had other experiences too. Yeah, I uh, I was I grew up doing boxing uh, in South Africa, and it was uh, I was very average at it, uh, only amateur. And uh, I had a mutual friend in in London, uh, Nick Gregoriades, and uh, he said to me the one day. You know, why don't you come and try jiu-jitsu with me? Um, Nick's a uh, black belt under Roger Gracie. He's being interviewed here too, and he's one of the two South Africans that I said, like, I have ah, <laughs> I missed that episode, man. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Nick uh, Nick took me to a class, and I got thrown about a guy, from a guy uh, from Australia, and uh, I was like, this is just crazy. Uh, I, I couldn't afford to train in London. So I didn't train for, for about two years when I was living there and then moved back to South Africa. And, uh, all I could find there was, uh, traditional Japanese jujitsu and MMA. So I cross trained between the two of them. 
mixed with some of the boxing at the same time and then uh, moved to Dubai. And that's when I first came into contact with uh, like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as a, as a full-time sport for me personally, uh, where I got to kind of train with uh, Suyan Queros and uh, Olavo Abreu and, and, and Carlos Santos and that. And uh, that was the first time that I really, when I did uh, Japanese Jiu-Jitsu, I enjoyed that a lot, uh, but I enjoyed the ground stuff the most. So it was kind of like I got the best of everything when I went to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu because it was just all, all down there. And uh, that was kind of like... My, my starting point uh, for jiu-jitsu personally. Yeah. And how do you feel jiu-jitsu relate to life? Uh, to, be, to be honest, I think like for me personally, jiu-jitsu is like uh, filled with decisions, right? Every decision I make, uh, you know, has a certain outcome. So whether it be a good decision or a bad decision will lead me down a certain path. Uh, so if I make the wrong decision, I have a, a constant struggle. Um, and I think the same applies to life for me too. You know, if I make a bad decision, uh, I generally face a constant struggle uh, with whatever decision I've chosen at that time. But adversely, if I, if I make a good decision, uh, usually things run a lot smoother for me. So uh, I think it's, it's very much about decisions for me all the time. So I have mentioned to you that we have all kinds of diff different listeners, we have the people who are entrepreneurs, they have business, who have people in transition. There are a lot of people in transition that are looking for different things. And some people who have a job and they're entrepreneurs doing their thing, the hustling thing on the side, and that's your case. And, and I love to bring different guests like that too because there's so many people in the same boat. Man, they're doing, they're doing a job and doing the, the side gig, and hopefully one day the side gig becomes the full-time. So when did you have the spark to, to actually start teaching jiu-jitsu and pursue this, this concept of you know, just doing something that you love? Uh, to, to be perfectly honest, um, I was kind of gifted the opportunity from my, my uh, professor in England, uh, and he gave me the chance to teach as a blue belt, uh, part-time, you know, and that's kind of where it started for me, uh, teaching and doing it on the side. Uh, but the real, uh, you know, decision to, to do this full-time was through, um, loads of people over here believing in me, really. Uh, is, is where it came from. People believing in me and what I was doing and my passion for what I was doing um, is kind of what spurred me on to go further with it. You know, uh, it was like uh, loads of family members, people who aren't even interested in jiu-jitsu supporting the fact that I loved it that much, you know, and that's kind of what drove me to, to want to do this as a full-time thing, really. Yeah, and you mentioned how it started basically was organically like started just hey i want to do what i love and that's uh, there's a space for me to train and next thing start to grow right and how how's the how's the scene in ireland right now because i have no idea uh so when i first i mean i've been in northern ireland now for five years uh when i first came here it was not massive in the sense that uh not not like london or the the south of ireland you know it's quite big over in the south of ireland but northern ireland it was quite uh, a small group of people but in the the last five years it has literally exploded uh, gyms opening up everywhere around us, you know, within close proximity too. So there's, there's that struggle for me as a, as a business owner over here, uh, you know, not having to have dealt with that before, uh, you know, and, and trying to learn how to stand out amongst everyone else, you know, and among, amongst the noise and, and try and make myself better all the time to try and attract uh, the right type of uh, people to my gym, you know. Uh, so Northern Ireland's growing rapidly. The competition scene is getting better over here. Um, and the level is, is really, really quite good, you know, so it's, uh, I, I really enjoy it. Yeah, I'm enjoying being in the, in the moment of it growing, if that makes sense too, which is, is cool. And I, I would assume that Conor McGregor, do you feel that he has a, a big part of the development of MMA and Jiu Jitsu? What do you think? I have no idea. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think so. Because like, you know, he's a, he's a big figure over here, you know, uh, 
there's uh, there's a lot to be said about you know how he carries himself, uh, mm-hmm. and you know the people over here you know either side with him or don't side with him. So yeah. it's uh, it's kind of divided in that sense, but it definitely did a lot to to bring jujitsu and MMA you know into this area a lot more. People became more hyper aware of it. Exactly, became aware whether you know they love or hate him. It brought yeah. it brought brought awareness to the sport and and help yeah. in some way at least people to hear about it. What you just announced up to them if they want to investigate more if it's something for them. But yes, exactly, he did, did help. So how was the mindset when you started to, from now and that when you started to take your teaching to another level? How how was especially you know, starting the side gig, you know, dealing with some of the fears or doubts and how did it go? Yeah. Uh, so for me, it was like, uh, I, I obviously joined RMNU and, uh, I wanted to, I, I love RMNU like as a team, the whole ethos, everything, you know? So for me, it was about being a part of RMNU and just doing the jujitsu that I had been trying to learn through the Robson's DVDs, you know, and, uh, and practicing the jujitsu I love really. And, uh, for me, it was more of a, an ability to train two, three times a week in, in the comfort of my style and, and how I was kind of brought up in jujitsu, um, and do the things that I like to do. Uh, so that's kind of how it started. And we started with a really small group of guys. Uh, you know, we started in an MMA gym, but the core group of guys, there was only about eight of them who were consistent, uh, training with me. Um, and what happened was like, uh, they would bring one or two friends and, you know, it grew kind of organically like that. So they bring a friend and their friend would bring a friend. And that's kind of how the snowball sort of started for us. Um, uh, and it's just kind of grown from strength to strength each time. And with uh, with with where we were based, we were based out of a, a gym in Northern Ireland here called Heat MMA. And we were doing, I think, two classes a week there. And, you know, the guys were like, look, we want to train more. We want, we want more training. Can we do something? And we found a, a local leisure center or health and fitness place. And, uh, you know, we got a, a small matted area in there and that's kind of when it turned a corner for us. Um, it really started to get a lot of traction from there, uh, because we had a lot more availability for classes and that, but then we started to get, uh, confined from, from the four walls and the time slots that we had available. Um, and you know, people were, were begging me for more classes. Uh, and a lot of it was to do with my teammates because they really, really, uh, helped push me in that direction, you know, too. They really drove me in that direction. So it was scary, but, but good for me because, what, uh, what would, year was that? Oh, so we only went into our own purpose built gym in October 2018. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it wasn't a long time ago. It was October 2018. Yeah, we've been in there a year now. It was like scary to do because, uh, you know, it was a big jump from renting space and just paying rent to, to going into a full blown business, so to speak. Uh, so there were a lot of concerns for me personally because uh, it, it was more. I don't like commitment to the at the best of times, and uh, this was now me committing to a building, committing to building RMNU here full time, all these uh, different commitments, and that that for me was was a big challenge personally. You know, I was battling with myself on that. Um, and, and how do you feel now in a in this one year? What is the difference in your mindset from when you started to now feeling more confident with the growth? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think the confidence stems from the growth in, in numbers and, you know, uh, and the presence that we have in, in Northern Ireland in terms of how people perceive us, you know, so we really made a stand in the markets as, as, as a strong team, if that makes sense. So, mm-hmm. Uh, so that's built a lot of confidence. It's not without its concerns still at this stage because we've only just kind of got over the hump of being a, a, a full-time gym and running the costs of the gym, you know, um, and all everything associated with the gym. Uh, so now it's in a positive side. Nice. Now, 
again, you just said, you know, especially being a, a year ago that you went with getting the building and everything. But besides that, what are some of the toughest entrepreneurial experiences that you have experienced so far and what did you learn from it? Um, so two, two things that spring to mind to me personally. Um, one was uh, I, I used to own a gym previously before, a small one, uh, for more of a health and fitness place. And uh, one of them was uh, getting into business with somebody else, mm. you know. Um, unfortunately, like the guy who I was in business with was a great guy, but we had different visions. Um, and sometimes that can cause a problem. So as long as like uh, you're on the same page with each other and you're both working towards the same common goal, uh, then I think uh, it, it's it's okay. But uh, um, outside of that, uh, people, people have been – a big struggle for me, different people's, uh, you know, personal issues, uh, how they, how they approach training, how, how life gets in the way for them, um, and how that affects them has, has been a big struggle for me. So, uh, something I try to do with that is try and make it more personal. So when I go to the gym, I will, I will ask somebody, you know, how's your diet, your day going? How's your family? Uh, you know, try and keep that personal connection because as we're growing as a team, it's harder to manage that uh, that personal side of it. So I try my best to always keep that connection as much as possible. Um, on, on, on one last thing, uh, Gustavo, is like uh, protecting myself as a business. Um, as, this this was a lesson taught to me through the other company I work for, right? Is we had a situation uh, where some sort of, um, you know, insurance problem came into play and that could have cost the entire business, you know, uh, like sunk the entire business. So I think, uh, being smart about your business and protecting yourself first and all, and, and your business, you know, um, is a, is another lesson that I took from, from working with the company that I'm with at the minute, you know, uh, it, it is a family business, but I saw how that impacted on, on, on all of them, you know, not just, uh, not just my, my brother-in-law, but everybody within that, uh, that circle, you know, myself included. So, uh, look after yourself and look after your business and your family. Yeah, no, you mentioned a few interesting things here that are man, super valuable to a lot of the listeners that maybe getting into partnerships. This is super crucial. Not only having the same, being aligned to the same vision, because when they're not, and we say a lot here in America, being on the same page, and sometimes when you realize, you know, different, you're not even the same page, the same book, you're like in different libraries, that doesn't work too well. You know, yeah. you see that it's so extreme opposite. And yeah. that is scary. And that's something that I personally experienced. So I, I do my best to be, well, I have my, my business. Uh, I don't have any, any business partner with that. But of course, we do sometimes some ventures with partners for some projects or we're not, but still very challenging. A couple episodes sure. ago, talk about the visionary and the integrator. And it's nice too when the partners, they kind of like, uh, if there's a skill, maybe you're going in business together, I bring some skills that you don't have and vice versa, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Both come in with the same skill set. Sometimes it's hard to develop, you know, something, you know, it, it really helps that balance is so important and people, uh, relationships. And I feel that this is a, this is a struggle for not only dealing with, Students, I don't know if you get into a point that you have staff already or people working for, for you. Uh, that's a big challenge too. Yeah, I have uh, my teammates that help me out, but they do it out the the kindness of, of their, mm -hmm. their time, you know. So um, I think it's a very different environment, you know, when, when it comes to paying, uh, you know, all those kinds of things. Uh, I think the, the relationship dynamic changes quite drastically, um, you know. Yeah, and... I mentioned that probably one of my biggest struggles as a, let's say, a school owner, it was with related to staff. And I think it, a lot of different structures have been on podcasts have mentioned the same way because it's hard. It, you started like right now, they're volunteers. At one point, I had volunteers as well. 
And the next thing you start kicking some money, next thing you have a salary and more responsibilities or we're not. So it's challenging. And sometimes it's not about who is right or who is wrong. It's just different visions. And sometimes that definitely can be challenging. And, and I always mention too in jujitsu, for the most part, now I mentioned that it's changing too, but for the most part, you just don't put an ad like, hey, we're looking for a jiu-jitsu instructor. No, now has been happening more, at least here in the U.S. Not that it's yeah. an ad, but, you know, we start asking like, hey, do you know anyone even from a different school? But for yeah. the most, for the longest time in jiu-jitsu, it was just based, and for the most part, still what that is. Most of your employees, as far as instructors, they'll be people to train with you. They're training, they, they enjoy teaching and their volunteer next thing become a, an employee and sometimes you're not going to click with, you know, everything. And, yeah. and it's, it's hard because by that point you're so you're very close to the person and then start to kind of mix things up and it can be super challenging, man. So that's something for you to, uh, and this is a suggestion for you because I have talked with this in podcast with, a, with different guests and stuff. And for everyone out there that, Maybe working with people that you know or friends or family, regardless if you're a school owner or not. But if you're a school owner, you know exactly what I mean. But I think it's important to have, I do the analogy of the hat, that you're going to have some of the relationships in your school. That you're going to have different hats. You're going to have you that, A, you're the coach of someone. You're the friend because outside you guys hang out. And then you became the boss. Now we have three different hats. And when we pile everything together in one hat, that can be a problem. And I tell you what, it was a problem for me. And that's one of the biggest lessons that, uh, that I had for years ago. And yeah. I do my best. I'm not great at it, but I'll do my best to separate, to at least pre-frame when you're going to talk with someone like, hey, we have this relationship but I'm talking with you as a friend. Now I'm using my boss hat or I'm using my um, coach hat or whatnot. I think it's super important to be able to. Yeah, super important, man. How do you feel about that? Uh, yeah, I, 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 I have, um, I mean, please don't mistake me, anyone listening to me. Uh, you know, I'm still young as a business and uh, as running my own academy, you know. Um, so I've had a couple of uh, challenging conversations and times with different people over this period of time. Um, some of it uh, felt very personal to me because uh, I had invested time in them and, and you know, I'd, I'd invested a lot of like uh, belief that they were true to me and sometimes it doesn't work out that way. Um, not for, for bad reasons, just, you know, again, it boils down to that different visions, you know. Uh, he, you know, they have like different views on, on how things should be, you know, and that's, uh, and that's fine. Uh, but I think it's best to, to cut ties at that point and keep an amicable sort of, uh, relationship with that person rather than, you know, drag it out. Cause some, sometimes I think like, uh, people feel like they, they have to stay loyal for whatever reason, you know, but it, it doesn't always mean that, you know, each person suits it to each other, you know, time, people change over time. Um, and their views change over time too. Um, and I think even myself as a white belt compared to where I am now, you know, my vision of who I was going to be would, would never have been what I imagined it is now, you know. So, um, you know, I think as we, we grow as individuals um, in the team and in in jiu-jitsu, you know, our, 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 our priorities change. Everything changes along the way too, you know, so... Um, that's kind of how I feel, but, uh, you know, whether it's right or wrong, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's, it's tough when we have, there's a book called crucial conversations, which is conversations that they might be kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. And the issue is when people start taking personal and it's not the intention to take it personal, but, but someone, depending what, what frame of mind they're at or what, what stage of their lives they're at uh, mentally, I don't know. If they take personal, they take personal. So it's, it's on them. And if it's not meant to uh, 
to work on something together and, and that's okay you know yeah. um there's uh it happens though people that that i have uh, that worked with me and they stop working and they still train with me and there's people that i have to like okay it's not working but they're able to separate things and understand that it's there's the professional relationship and there's you know the training or even the friendship and yeah. there's some people that unfortunately they're not able to continue and that was better because if the person is not really feeling comfortable or not satisfied there um they gotta go and yeah that's something that i learned from my teacher under pedanera as he always mentions gustavo the question it's simple are you happy you just gotta ask that are you happy if you're not happy you gotta go find your happiness is that simple yeah Yeah, I tell my my guys that all the time, you know, I'm like, you need to be happy doing this because if you're coming here every day to train and, and you're miserable, what's the point? There's no point in training like that, you know, uh, you know, so uh, I think uh, I think that's a big thing that, that has helped us uh, be successful. And uh, I think that comes from the top down is creating the right environment for them, uh, you know. Uh, I, I make sure that, you know, when there's new people, the higher belts, uh, you know, take the time to to speak to them and, you know, and, and work with them and just uh, create that bridge because it can always be quite, uh, quite daunting coming into it. You know, um, I found that whenever I started doing boxing or when I went to, to uh, Roger's gym that first time, you know, it was quite uh, intimidating to go in in the first place. But if everyone's friendly and happy, it tends to tends to be a better environment to welcome people into. Yeah, it's it's a win-win for everyone. Yeah. Now, what suggestion do you give to someone that is going to it's in a similar scenario than you that that they they have their side gig going plus they have the other profession plus they have family in dealing with all that how has been this process for you of basically having two gigs plus dealing and handling family and everything um it it's it's a tough one that one because uh a lot of time is invested away from my family a lot of time uh that is uh, a really tough struggle i have a very supportive wife and uh you know my two boys understand what i'm doing to the best part you know Uh, so that it's a it's a constant struggle finding the balance between work life uh, and home life for me personally. Uh, I have I, I'm fortunate enough that my my company that I work for gives me the flexibility to work from home. So I think my situation's a little bit different to to those who have to go into the office and then go out till nine o'clock at night. You know, so um, it, it, it's it's. Uh, It's difficult even with that extra time being here because although I'm inside the house, I'm still working, you know, yeah. uh, so it's not, uh, it's not like I'm sitting down having coffee and, and playing with the kids and that kind of stuff. It's, uh, it's, it's a struggle like that. But uh, I think when I get the time off, I try my best to make sure that my wife is happy first because when she's happy, then everything else seems to run better for me personally. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, but it's, I have to commit a lot more time to everything. So, uh, you know, the extra hour in the morning, getting up a little bit earlier to try and uh, push my work ahead of the day out the way um, allows me some, some flexibility within the day so that if something comes in, you know, like when you run a business, it's like uh, things crop up all the time. They come in, in and, you know, you've got to try to put something to the side and deal with what's at hand at the moment you know sometimes that happens to me so uh when i when i get up early in the morning and i start my work um you know i push out a lot of work first thing in the morning so that i give myself a bit of a buffer throughout the day to to catch anything that's maybe falling apart um but it's it's a very real struggle time wise uh because i do a class uh, exactly 12 o'clock in the day till 1:30 every day during the to, during a business week you know um so that is that is very tough to to deal with but uh it's not impossible uh and i know that uh the struggle is hard sometimes sometimes i feel really frustrated and tired with everything but I know that there's an end goal in mind and I just keep trying to work towards that. And that is, that is my focal point. 
um, personally, you know. Yeah, and balance is relative in a way. People are going to have different perceptions what that balance means yeah. for each one. You know, so I think it's important for all the listeners to figure out what that balance is for you. If that means taking the time for yourself, for your family, for your business, just you got to figure out whatever works for you. Not that you're given any formula or anything, but everyone needs to figure out what, what is the perception they have of the word balance and do the best to stick with it. Because as we mentioned before, my end goal would be to get the main income or the main part of your life to be with your gym and yeah and you know that there's a price to pay but sometimes this price to pay can be very high it can be very high costing family relationships so that's when you have to be very careful with this you know and i and i know I, this is something that I have struggled in the past. I improved so much, man. But I used to struggle a lot with, with my workaholic pattern, let's say, that I can easily put many, many hours a day, easily. So I had to start to discipline myself. Well, what time do I have to cut off? And I think that has helped me. Of course, there's times that it's, it depends on what you're doing. There's a crunch time. There's something that needs to be done, period. But it's not like uh, it used to be in a lot be because I would just feel bad if I wasn't working. I felt like I was slacking or something. So yeah. it has been a process. I improved so much with that. I still have a lot to improve, but I, I definitely feel a lot better on not feeling. At least I'm more conscious of my pattern, let's say, that sometimes if I feel that I feel a little guilty because I'm taking this break or going to bed earlier, then maybe I should be doing something else. I address and I realize what I'm doing and move on so I don't beat myself for it and that, that's okay. You know, that's something that yeah. the thought that I, I just learned how to deal with it better, you know, but uh, because I feel that uh, years ago, um, this price to pay, you know, I went to 2019. I basically, 2003, basically I got divorced. And I can say that that's a high price that I paid, especially coming to the U.S. and not having anything and just try to survive. Yeah. Um, so I had to uh, just uh, work and everything was uh, around that. And, of course, I didn't have the level of consciousness that I have right now. Uh, but that's something that for sure I did pay a price and I'm very happy where I'm mad in my life today. I live with, with my wife and my, my current wife, not my, my ex-wife, but my, and my son. So I'm very happy where I'm at, but I had to take some beatings in my yeah. life when I didn't know and other relationships and so forth, just because I don't think I had a good perception of balance, you know? So that's sure. why it's important for the listeners to figure out whatever that, uh, that balance means to you. And most of the time, you know how it is, we learn taking some beatings. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, the decisions thing again, you know. Uh, decisions we make uh, have consequences, be they positive or negative, um, you know. Um, so, like, uh, that's what I mean, like, with my wife and that, you know, jiu-jitsu for me is a passion. So, I, I, I love to go and train. So, sometimes I'm selfish and I forget about it, you know. So, it's... Uh, you know, to make up the time, uh, spending time with them on weekends and trying to really commit myself to that is is also a struggle sometimes because it's, uh, you know, you, you, you're thinking about everything that's ahead of you the week ahead. So I suppose that's something I could work on on myself as a personal side of things, you know, uh, uh, to better better handle myself and, and my time really. Yeah, what I'll give you a suggestion and for the listeners to a book that I read probably, uh, I don't know, four or five months ago. Went 2019 now, uh, the power of now, uh, Eckhart Tolle. So it's it's good for you to really be focused on the now. But you know, when you're taking the time that if you're going, if you're taking this time with your wife or your family or whatever that is, to put more focus on what is happening right now, we're not focusing so much. You you're there physically, but your mind is thinking about the following week, what needs to be done, and and so forth. You know, yeah. and that's something that I did for, 
a long time and I got, I've been getting better over the years. I, I felt that this year I actually stepped up a lot and or working more and being more present because I'm always on my head. So that has been, uh, it's like I'm starting a new chapter in my life as in 2000, uh, last year basically. But just being, being more aware of like the present now because I'm always just thinking goals and accomplishing. I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm not leaving the now. So great book for people to check it out. So what did you say it's a one high performance habit that I feel that has helped you in jujitsu, personal, professional life that you practice every day? Could it be something super simple? Uh, for, for me, it's like um, I come from a sales background, so goal setting has always been a, a big thing for me. You know, having uh, a long-term goal and short-term goals, uh, and trying to reach those goals um, as best as possible in the time frames. Uh, put a time frame to it, though, is is a is a big thing for me because if we leave it as an open-ended kind of goal, then we just keep going and going, you know, and um, and then we never have something to benchmark it against. Um, so for me, like goal setting uh, and it may be even a 24 hour goal so uh, you know living in the now so I, i'm a big believer that i like every day i only get 24 hours i can't tell what i'm going to do tomorrow you know there's no guarantee tomorrow is there i can't change yesterday um i can only do what i can do now and this is like a personal habit of mine i try and attack every day as if uh you know I've only got that 24 hours. So I try and live it to the fullest with that 24 hours. And uh, something I try not to do is disappoint myself. Uh, you know, I disappoint some people <laughs> in life, but it's uh, the, my, my uncle once said to me, you know, disappoint as many people as you like in life, but just don't disappoint yourself, you know? Um, and that, that for me was like big because I, I, I really, you know, try and do the best that I can by my standards every single day. Um, so goal setting would be it. So what did you say the best advice you've ever received in any area? Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> best advice uh, that I, that I ever received. Um, w w to be honest with you, I've had so much advice over the years, but uh, you know, just to, to really give everything I have with, with good enthusiasm, but not just like enthusiasm in the sense of, uh, you know, just being over energetic, but with direction, you know, um, Intentional so in a way, yeah. So having something that I'm working towards, but being enthusiastic about it, uh, you know, and, and being excited about it. So trying to, trying to live to that, um, and always trying to raise, raise the benchmark in, in my own personal life, you know, always trying to make myself better, um, and that may be through self-study or, you know, just personal habits, so to speak. So, uh, with that said, do, do you have the habit of reading audiobooks or podcasts? I mean, anything, what do you like to consume? All the time, really, if I'm honest with you, uh, I'm actually really bad for it because, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, the thing is like, I, when I'm driving to and from the gym, I always think this is the perfect time for me to catch 15 minutes, 10 minutes here. So um, I think I'm a bit of a, a an information junkie um, in the sense that uh, I'm always looking to, to find more information all the time. I was never a very academic uh, uh, person throughout my life. And uh, as I got older, I started to really get a thirst for knowledge. Um, and it's it's interesting because the more knowledge you start to acquire along the way, the more you want, um, and that's like a, it's it's fun listening to different people's perceptions on life and and the struggles and what works for them, and then trying to figure them out. I suppose that boils down to like jujitsu again, trying to figure out your your, your own jujitsu, you know, trying to figure out like positions and and trying to f work them out to make them better for yourself all the time you know so i think that's a lot a lot to do so audiobooks uh are, are probably my favorite uh um what are some of those that are some of the audiobooks that has made a big impact on you oh so think and grow rich was one of my my favorites um personally uh <sighs> There's, there's a lot. Uh, I listen to a lot of like uh, self help, like self help books, and that uh, the Four Hour Work Week. Uh, what was the other one with um, Gary Vanderchuk? Uh, Crush It's and those kind of books. I like those because they, they're kind of motivational 
a lot of the time, you know, and they give me something that I can work off of and build off of. Uh, so those, those would stand out in my head. Um, a very good book that I read when I was a salesman was, um, I think it was Frankie Edgar, uh, uh, re- uh what is it called? Oh, I can't remember, but it's like, uh, raising yourself from success through selling or something like that. But it was, it was a really, really good book. You know, he, he talked about enthusiasm and that was the first time I came into contact with it where he was like, you know, uh, if we get out of bed every morning, we go, oh, I got another day of work ahead of me and we moan about it, you know, versus somebody who practices being enthusiastic, you know, wake up in the morning and, and check yourself every morning, you know, and just go through it. Um, how I raised myself from failure to success through selling. That was the book. Uh, and that book had a lot of useful things for me personally, um, from a sales point of view, but also like, uh, an attitude point of view. Uh, you know, that was quite a cool book for me to read. Yeah. The, uh, the, the ones that you mentioned, the uh, thinking grow rich and for our work, we can crush it. All of them. I had a chance to, uh, to listen or, actually read and really enjoy for our work week i believe uh, i i can't remember when it came around maybe 2010 between 10 and 12 i'm not quite sure but that one made a big impact on me in a lot of different things and especially i think i talk about this in one of the episodes especially about the word delegation of like just delegating it's not like i never heard at that point but i never put thought into the word delegation just because i was a control freak i want to put my finger in everything <laughs> so that, that feeling. yeah so that really opened up my mind to explore the word delegation like okay interesting so uh and crush it i i thought it was, it's one of my favorites too it was really yeah really cool book. and uh, uh i learned gary vaynerchuk for people who don't know gary v v e e if you want to look on instagram or something I learned a lot of content from him and a lot of great stuff from marketing and uh, he's sharp. You know, I've been listening to him for yeah. a while. I don't listen as much now, but probably from, uh, yeah, 2014 and until like last year, like I listen a lot and implement a lot of the stuff, a lot of the, the tips that he gives. So I highly recommend you guys check it out. Um, so what advice would you give to the young Justin when he got involved with teaching you just, I'm not even say a year ago, but like during the journey of making some extra money with it, you know, being a, getting the entrepreneurial side of uh, jujitsu since you already had your work. But if you have a conversation with him, not that you wanted anything different, but because I always frame this, that you are where you are at in your life right now because of all the decisions and everything that you made so far in your good and positive environment because of that, including the, maybe let's say the, we can call the mistakes uh, that you made or the good and also good choices or whatever. But what would you say, what a good advice would you give to your, the younger Justin? Um, my, my my advice to myself would probably be to to reinvest in my marketing um find the right channel for my marketing uh and reinvest in that channel like and i'm not just talking about broad marketing i'm talking about like really finding what channel my my audience is on and then trying to reinvest in that marketing uh on there but really try and fine tune that as best as possible um i think that's kind of where social media is such a great tool i know uh, yeah. like for, for the most part I, I i'm not a big fan of social media but uh as a tool to drive people um to to my business that is definitely something that i would probably have concentrated on a lot more um is, is reinvesting you know even a little bit of money back into that side of it and then you know for every every person that signs up through that uh, you know reinvest another percentage of that uh-huh. that money back into it you know um so i try and do this today but uh, you know costs come in from other places and i always try and implement this so it's still a struggle but uh i don't i don't like to call call um things mistakes so much more more lessons for me because uh, you yeah. know it's a learning process so it's uh but yeah definitely reinvest in my marketing um, would yeah. be a key for me. 
So what are you currently excited about? What's going on? You told me that you competed uh, two days ago. So that's exciting. Yeah. But what do you got going on exciting with the business <laughs> and everything? Uh, yeah, I competed. Uh, the guys on my team were just nagging me all the time. and <laughs> So I, I gave into a bit of peer pressure, but uh, they were... They were happy to. Um, it was fun. It was good. Uh, for me, like, I'm really about excited about the future of, of RMNU here in Northern Ireland. Uh, I really think that we, we have a, a, a really strong team and a really good uh, ethos and environment to train in. Um, we're quite young, so we still have a lot of development in terms of uh, our jiu-jitsu and, and the belts inside there. But... Uh, I'm excited about like jujitsu in Northern Ireland and Ireland as a whole, because it's just like, it's really exploding over here. Um, I think, uh, just last year they, they had, a like the Irish, um, IBJJF, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, thing. And Did it go you well? know, last year went really well. This year seemed to, to have a little bit of a struggle. Uh, so I think they're trying to figure that out still, but, uh, the competition scenes growing here. Um, and they're trying a lot of different things, you know, quintet teams and all sorts of different flavors uh, coming from it. So it's kind of it's kind of fun to watch um, the growth in Northern Ireland, you know, where it's uh, it, it really wasn't very big over here just as a as a whole, you know, um, and it's really, really starting to blossom and become really cool. Um, and to be one of the forerunners in that for me is is exciting, you know, uh, so I think that's kind of cool. Now, just for curiosity, because you shared with me that for this tournament that you had, you had a chance to explore the Biogemental Coach uh, Mental Preparation Crash Course. This is a two-hour course that I have on the BiogemitalCoach.com. As a matter of fact, for people who are listening, I'm bringing this up because I'm curious. Number one, what is your main takeaway that you got from the, from the two-hour class? Plus, for people who don't know, all the courses sold at the BJJMetalCoach.com, they go straight to JujutsuTribe.org, the nonprofit organization that I co-founded back in 2010, officially 2012, started to get busier. And in 2019, we actually rebranded, changed the name and everything. And now we're focused on doing extreme makeovers. That's what I've been doing to social projects and so forth. And, uh, Right currently in Brazil, in US, we have a third one that is lined up, and the cool. idea would be the next one in Belize. So, trying to go to different countries. But anyway, nice. just let people know that getting the word out. So, if you want to learn more about mental preparation for competition, you will be helping a cause as well. So, but what would you say? What was the one main takeaway that you got that helped you with your performance? So, uh, Gustavo, like uh, I bought the the, the BJJ mental coach thing about uh, when you first kind of launched it, I think maybe a year after you launched the, the whole course, you know, and uh, the reason I did it was so that I could better help my students. Yes. Right? And, a lot uh, of coaches so, do that. So I listened to it and I processed the information and in my mind, it wasn't like I was going to use it for competition because I hadn't competed for six years. And, uh, and I, I took on this, 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 this tournament last minute, you know, this match last minute, uh, literally 24 hours before. So I was like, oh man, I believe in my jujitsu. That's not the problem, but it's my head, you know? So the, the, it just uh, gave me a little bit of uh, peace of mind uh, because from previous competition experience, I knew that I was going to go into it with these doubts, questions, all these different things happening in my mind, you know, so, uh, the, the thing that really, that there's two things really. One is, is you constantly go over the fact that you can only do the best you can do with the tools you have at hand. Right. And that's something from the first time I picked it up really helped me a lot, you know, because like, uh, even rolling, sometimes we second guess ourselves all the time and I can only do the best I can do, you know, at that point in time. Um, so that was like a very big thing for me, but, uh, your three R's, you know, the, the, um, the roots of the, of the, the question and then reevaluating the question and whether it's, you know, something I can change physically or something I can't change and without like going into too much, but 
every single one of the questions that came into my head, I couldn't do anything about it. I could only do yeah. what I could do, you know, and that was like, so it was, uh, it was really good for me to keep myself in check because all the way up to the minute that I got onto the mats, you know, to, to, to roll, um, these questions were coming into my head the whole time because people passing by had, I mean, I'm in a, a country that's not my country you know i come i come from south africa and the guy i was competing with was from ireland and people knew his name and all this kind of stuff you know so it was kind of like uh you know people you you, you hear chatter people talking all around the place you know and uh you know saying oh he's he's good he's this and you know uh, your your three r's basically kept me in check i was like yeah he's good but i can't change that i can only do what i can do so um, that's yeah. kind of all the things that uh, basically sometimes we end up focusing on things that we cannot control. And that's when it brings anxiety. And mainly I talk about that in, in the uh, in the crash course. And man, so often we end up doing that in business and yeah. we end up putting so much focus on things that we totally cannot control. And that's why you, since you've, you've listened to maybe hopefully some of the listeners had a chance to maybe listen or watch some of my material. I do my best to transfer that. How can you use that in your life? Because it's not just about the competition, especially with a lot of teachers they watch too, but the inner discovery for other success, it's, it's even more balanced to life and competition. The crash course, I try to be a little bit more uh, competition per se, but when you stop to think about it, man, that's life every day, you know, it's just coming. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this is great because what you're saying is you are aware, you're conscious of the voice. You know, you're right there, you're about to compete. And that's when the I like to say the dark passenger is there and it's just throwing all kinds of, you know, but that guy's this, that guy's that. And you are yeah. aware enough to just like, wait, 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 wait. This is all stories. They're just popping up here. This yeah. is all stories that I have no control and then you can focus on uh, what you have to do in your task, which is to perform. Yeah, I think that was like uh, I think I think even in my like I didn't do a lot of boxing competitions or anything, but uh, even my first boxing match, they were like, "Oh, you're strong. You can do this. You can beat the guy." You know, uh, and uh, you know, it's all these people have these different opinions of that person that you're competing against. You know, but it's not. Uh, uh, you know, my performance was great because my mind was clear too. Mm -hmm. I wasn't, you know, my performance was good from that side. So I, I felt comfortable to, in my jujitsu, to carry me through the, through the match. But it was like, you know, trying to deal with that psychological side of things. And the anxiety is like something I struggle with, which is why I was never like a, a big fan to compete. But I, I did it, uh, you know, because for me, personal challenges sometimes. But uh, so the, it definitely, any anyone that I've met, I always say to, that's, having doubts about competition i'm like you got to go for this i honestly listen to it uh, listen to the bjj mental coach and it, it'll help you a lot a lot um yeah. and i try and transfer that stuff to my my personal life too yeah man in competition i'm i'm a big fan of competition i've been saying just jujitsu but since it's a jujitsu podcast but just when you put yourself in under pressure situations you learn a lot from yourself you learn a, you learn a lot you know, performing how to deal with the under pressure situations because you, you will deal with other under pressure situations and putting yourself in those and learn how to be aware of some of the patterns because whatever pattern is really disturbing you, let's say in a way, bugging you during a competition, they, they will just reflect in different areas of your life. And I always mention, I always mention this, how I discover really my perfectionism pattern through jujitsu competitions that are even if i yeah. want to be i would be looking for ways that are yeah but wasn't this but wasn't that and next thing i'm being a perfectionist in everything i do and perfectionism there's the good and the not so good traits per se it's um especially when that's that's good thing the perfectionist people usually they're hard workers and they put a lot of you know they they don't want no mediocrity anything like that however sometimes when they put the expectations so extremely high to the perfect and they don't reach that it they just crumble and then 
crashed down. And that's what has happened with me in, in multiple times. So I had to be become aware of my perfectionism. So if even if it kicks in, I, I'm able to be aware enough to catch it and be like, hey, it's just a little voice again. That's all that is. So becoming aware. And jiu-jitsu is a tool. I, I, I truly believe and I always mention Brazilian jiu-jitsu is an incredible personal development tool, right? Now, yeah. if you want to amplify this tool, the power of this tool, tournaments is a great way to go. It really yeah. is. You know, do what you're doing, plus that extra little pressure in. And it's nice. It's nice for the growth, let's say. So we're getting close to the end of the interview. And even I'm thinking for, for people don't know, maybe a lot of people might be listening for the first time. Hopefully you got some new people from Ireland listening to yeah, hopefully I can get to definitely. visit Ireland at some point. Uh, just explain that usually after the interview, I do my final thoughts, which I basically just reflect on an interview and then I create some content that can possibly inspire, impact and improve your life in some way. So I was right at the end, I was thinking, hey, maybe I can expand a little bit on the, the, the crash course, some of the stuff that you mentioned about the three R's and everything. And yeah, maybe that would be something. How can I maybe combine that with entrepreneurship? So that might be something that I can, I still going to reflect on what I'm going to share with people. Just, but just make sure that you stick around. And if you didn't have a chance, if you're listening and maybe don't have a chance or you want to listen just to the final thoughts, you can go to the Instagram at Gustavo Dantas BJJ. Usually I put on the, um, uh, Instagram TV, the IGTV. So I have all the final thoughts there. People can go in and just listen to the clips that they vary from like five to 12 minutes. So how can people learn more about you if you want to get in contact with you or maybe they're visiting in Ireland or maybe they train or maybe they live in Ireland and they're listening. I don't know, but they want to get in contact with you. What's the best way? Uh, so our two main channels is uh, Facebook and Instagram, like uh, most of the BJJ schools over here in Northern Ireland. Uh, so uh, our, our our pages are RMNU, so Romeo, Mike, November, Uniform, Ireland. And that's both for Instagram and uh, and Facebook. So uh, just send us a message. We're always happy to have people um, visit us and, you know, just share the mats with us. That's, uh, that's something that I, I always try to do is just have an open policy and just have people in. I don't... Uh, don't discriminate between belt uh, size or anything like that. Uh, just uh, just train and be happy, and that's my main thing. Awesome. Thank you so much, Justin. I really thank appreciate you. your time, man. I appreciate it uh, too. Thank you, Gustavo. And uh, thank you for some of the lessons in this podcast too. Already, you know, it's always uh, always learning from you guys is, is amazing. Thank you so much. Awesome. So for all the listeners, stick around for my final thoughts. Who's... Let me share with you my final thoughts from the interview with Justin McGibbon. If you're listening just to the final thoughts on Instagram TV at Gustavo Dantas BJJ, Justin is a brown belt in jiu-jitsu under the IBJJF Hall of Famer, Hobson Moore. Besides running his academy, the RMNU Ireland, he also works as an operations manager at a private investigations firm. He shared the struggles of balancing two jobs and family time since he's married with two kids. He also talked about the connection between decision-making in life and jiu-jitsu. And my takeaway from the interview was when I asked him some of the struggles so far in his entrepreneurial journey, and he said personal relationships. As his school grows, more people join the academy. He's learning how to handle different personalities and at the same time doing his best to develop more personal connections, which inspired me to title this episode, Strengthening Your Relationships. Let me ask you this. Have you been developing and strengthening your relationships? On episode 37, I interview Kevin James Gonzalez. He's a black belt in jiu-jitsu from Checkmat, and he has over 30 years' experience as an entrepreneur in the mortgage and real estate business. The title of the episode was Building Your Relationships. And during the final thoughts, I share with you a simple concept from the bestseller with over 15 million copies sold worldwide, How to Win Friends and Influence People, written by Dale Carnegie published in 1936. And today, I'd like to expand a little bit more and introduce another concept to you and hopefully can inspire, impact, and or improve your life in some way. 
In 2011, the book was number 19 on Time Magazine's list of the 100 most influential books. The book is divided mostly into four parts. Part one is fundamental techniques in handling people. Part two is six ways to make people like you. Part three, how to win people to your way of thinking. And finally, part four, how to change people without giving offense or arousing resentment. Of course, since it's too much information, I highly recommend you to read this book. And I would like to share with you one principle from part three, which is how to win people to your way of thinking. Maybe when you hear some of these concepts, you might say, eh, come on, Gustavo, that's common sense. That is so simple. I understand and I agree with you. However, common sense is not always common practice. And in the beginning of the book, he has a chapter called Nine Suggestions on How to Get the Most Out of This Book. And the number six suggestion was, quote, Learning is an active process. We learn by doing. So if you desire to master the principles you're studying in this book, do something about them. Apply these rules at every opportunity. If you don't, you will forget them quickly. Only knowledge that is used sticks in your mind, unquote. With that said, if you're trying to strengthen your relationships, try to implement not only the concept that you're learning today, but also from previous final thoughts, books, interviews, and so forth. If you feel that makes sense to you, apply in your life as soon as you have a chance. And keep in mind what Carnegie said, only knowledge that is used sticks in your mind. So the title of the eighth out of the 12 concepts on the how to win people to your way of thinking, according to Carnegie, is a formula that will work wonders. What does that mean? Let me share a story with you first, then I share the principle Carnegie's teaching. At the end of 2011, I was shopping around for a location to start my academy in Tempe, Arizona. Another more short schools had previously rented the building and they left on bad terms. The rent was late for a few months, so they packed in the middle of the night and left. I knew that the place had been empty for a while. However, I didn't quite know what exactly happened at that point. Eventually, I had the meeting with the realtor, the owner of the building, my realtor and friend Paul Schmidt, and Matt Waltz, my students, the owner of Waltz Construction, and the guest of episode 56. Even though the owner was going to be responsible for most of the tenant's improvements, of course, I was going to have expenses as well. And he wanted a quote from Matt to compare with his contractor, who said, I can give you a rough estimate. However, since I see a lot of issues with the building, Let's say what the city has to say. Long story short, the building was not up to code. As a matter of fact, the city wasn't even aware that there was a previous business there. The electrical needed major work and it was going to be more expensive than expected. After my realtor discussed what to do with the owner, he delivered the bad news. He told me, Gustavo, he said he doesn't want to invest this much on the building. He is mad that the quote is very different. He said that you have to put the difference which I didn't have, by the way. So I thought to myself, how would I feel? How would I react if I were in his shoes? When I had the opportunity to talk to the owner on the phone, he had his guard way up and super defensive, telling me that he wasn't going to pay the difference. I told him, I agree with you 100%. The amount is not what he said it was going to be. If it were my building, I would be furious as well. By the way, I'm not happy either because I have to get a bigger loan now. What if we both can put more money into the building? We split the extra expenses 50-50. It's a win-win situation for both because, number one, the city knows that for them to approve any business in this building, all this work needs to be done. So it's an investment that needs to be made anyways at some point, even if you sell the building. Plus, as you already researched, I have a good reputation in the Tempe community, and I plan on being here for over five years, the length of the lease. What do you think? He said, I'll talk with my realtor and I'll get back to you. Then my realtor, Paul, called me and said, Gustavo, I don't know what he said to him, but he accepted your offer. Matt Watts' episode's title on the BJJ Mental Coach podcast was the win-win mindset, and that is exactly what happened. We both won. Matt helped me out tremendously, pulled all kinds of favors and saved me literally thousands of dollars and I didn't have to put the extra money that I thought I was going to spend for the improvements and I have been in the building for almost eight years now. 
Why am I telling you this? Because the principle of the chapter is try honestly to see things from the other person's point of view. These are the exact words Carnegie used. He also said in the book, quote, success in dealing with people depends on a sympathetic grasp of the other person's viewpoint. Cooperativeness in conversation is achieved when you show that you consider the other person's ideas and feelings as important as your own, unquote. Am I perfect or great at this? Absolutely not. I guess I have my moments though, but I have a lot to improve. Now, what about you? Have you been using this principle consistently in your life? If so, keep it up. If not, give empathy a try. As I mentioned earlier, only knowledge that is used sticks in your mind, right? So if you got inspired to become an even more empathetic human being, try to honestly put yourself in someone else's shoes, especially if you're a business owner. It takes a lot of self-awareness and also to keep your ego in check, especially when you're negotiating. As Carnegie said, quote, if you're not in the process of becoming the person you want to be, you're automatically engaged in becoming the person you don't want to be, unquote. Oops. We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. But the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com. 